Welcome to Hope Between the Lines. My name is Dan Herod, and it is my joy to be on this journey with you on this very fine day. This is episode 11, and today I'm having a conversation with Micah Mack. Micah Mack is a die-hard, true blue fan of life. He knows how to give 100% all the time, and it's one of the reasons why I appreciate the dude so much. I also share his football allegiance, which you will hear today. Little hint, it's not green and gold. With that said, I'm excited to have you with us today on today's episode of Hope Between the Lines. Well, Micah Mack, I am so excited to have you on Hope Between the Lines. Dan, appreciate it, man. Uh, been looking forward to this, and I'm so happy that it is happening. It's great to be with you, man. I love you tons. Oh, man, I feel the same. And, you know, a couple of things I absolutely love about you. Number one, you're a Minnesota Vikings fan. Yes. <laughs> I'm just I'm just going to say it. And yeah, I'm a transplant. I grew up in Minnesota. My allegiance to the Minnesota Vikings has actually gotten a billion times stronger since moving away from Minnesota. Yeah. And I'm married to a Packers fan. So it's all kinds of awesome. You, here. yep, you and me both, brother. I'm married a Packer fan too. So hold, holding strong. Amen. I love that about you, and you're a passionate fan, and uh, you're not one of those passionate fans that goes too far. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, those, uh, those are those are real. They are, and, and every team has them, right? Mm -hmm. And here's the second thing I love about you: you live a full tilt. Uh, there's a phrase that I heard before. It's like anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Mm -hmm. And so having been in fun conversations with you, dude, you're full tilt in that conversation. Having had the privilege of hearing you share the ministry of the gospel, dude, you're full tilt. And even getting moments to, uh, to kind of hear kind of prayerful moments, you're full tilt. I love that. I love that about you, man. And I just think it's one of your greatest assets. Hmm. Well, Dan, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, it's something I never, ever want to lose that full mm -hmm. tail. One, it's just how God made me. It's who I am. But two, um, whether through hardship or through the greatest successes, I always want to stay dependent on Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, seasons come and go positions come and go pastoring all of it comes and goes but the one thing if i could have constant for the rest of my life it would be that full tilt passion for jesus hands come down on. come on yeah i love that <laughs> and i i love the fact that you follow christ and you're you're jacked about sports you follow christ yes and you're up to date on current events like you're just you're a complete dude and i love that man so one thing that'll help every listener joining us today is that who is Micah Mack and what does Micah Mack do? Yeah. So who am I? Uh, it's I'm the guy who literally can get excited about anything. I, 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 am, <laughs> yes. the, I am the guy that could be in the most boring environment. Let's take it, for example, a college class. Mm. Let's take, for example, like a, 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 some sort of collegiate math class. Okay. It might bore a lot of people. Maybe you're listening and you love math. Okay. So no offense to you, but <laughs> yeah. I literally can find any environment 
and learn to have fun in it. Come on. I also think you need to have fun in life, you know? That's right. Like, why go through your whole life never having fun? Now, um, so that's just kind of who I am in a nutshell. Excited, passionate, uh, fun, uh, finding, finding, I'm a, probably also a natural optimist. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, someone comes around me and they're having a gloomy day. I might not be the best guy to be around yeah. just because I'm naturally going to find the bright side in every scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just kind of who I am. You know, there's another side. There's uh, uh, my wife uh, married to my wife. We celebrate nine years. March 30th will be nine years. Yeah. Um, which is Congrats. amazing. It's incredible. Thank you. And then we have two little kids, a two and a half year old boy malachi and a four and a half year old girl everly and so man that's who i am live in minnesota here based out of the cities kind of bleeding into what i do for the last four years coming up this september the last four years we will have had a full-time traveling ministry now we have a home-based church called zoe church in burnsville that we base our ministry out of part of staff meetings when we're in town i preach about eight to ten times a year there but primarily i am on the road full-time uh, and just about every week we are somewhere. So tomorrow night I'll be in Wisconsin for two nights of ministry and then back over to Minnesota for two nights of ministry for a, a big men's retreat. And so we literally do everything from men's ministry to Sunday mornings to youth conventions, summer camps, uh, you name it, we probably have done it. And what's really unique about our ministry is we don't market our ministry, meaning we don't send mailers or call pastors. We just do what Billy Graham did. He just said, God, I'll go where you want me to go and I'll be who you want me to be. And we've stolen that prayer. We've said, God, we'll go where you want us to go and we'll be who you want us to be. So literally uh, every door of opportunity that we have to go and minister is because God brought us there and just a result of trusting him and letting him kind of navigate our ministry. So kind of unique, but we have loved it. We've loved the last four years and we get to do this primarily as a family kind of get to be together. So it's been fun. Mm, That's awesome. So when you are uh, in between uh, traveling, what does a typical week look like for you and your family? Yes. So when I'm home, man, I am home. Uh, Home is a refuge. It's a safe place. Uh, it's enjoyable. Uh, we're used to hotels. We're used to campgrounds, all those kinds of different things, other beds that aren't ours. And so when we're home, man, we try our best to enjoy time with our kids. Um, we go to the gym, we got a gym membership. We go to the gym nearly almost every day Mm -hmm. to go work out, um, reading good books. Uh, my wife loves to bake. She loves to cook. She loves being in the kitchen. She gets refilled. (laughs) she gets refilled personally for me in the kitchen and I get filled physically from her time in the kitchen. And so she does not mess around with baking. So man, we just love being home. We love going on walks and uh, just love being active together as a family. And uh, so, yeah, man, when we're home, uh, typical week is just being home and not feeling guilty for being home because we know our life is going to be on the road. And uh, so we really try to just enjoy the best we can of being home. Oh, man, I love that. And so one thing that I mentioned that I love about you, Minnesota Vikings fan, is this moment in your your fan commitment that just stands out in your mind. It's like one of the best Vikings moments that you can remember. 
Oh man, one of the best Vikings moments. Well, and while you're thinking about it, let me let me share mine because I can't yeah, have yeah. this conversation with all of my guests, and so I'm going to have this conversation with you. Yes, so I was at the Minneapolis Miracle game. No way. Yes. No way. Yes, and so <laughs> it was the most unbelievable moment yes. as far as I've ever witnessed as a spectator. Yeah, I've been to concerts. I've been to movies. I've yep. been to different sports games. I, I've I've been to different things. But as far as me personally, I've never been in a spectator mode like that and experienced yep. with well, I don't know, 10, 12 seconds left in the game. Extreme like uh oh-ness. Yeah. <laughs> and then Case Keenum drops back. Yeah. He launches the pass. Stefan digs pulls yep. it down catches himself uh, with one hand doesn't yep. go out of bounds doesn't go down and then the defender completely whiffs and, <laughs> and blows up the other defender who could tackle him yes and being in the stadium that was packed by the way yeah it was like this one second of like pregnant pause yeah and then we realized what was happening and then we lost our ever loving <laughs> minds. Like I was hugging people that I've never met before. Yeah. I just, I was, I was high fiving. I was screaming like a lunatic. Yeah. Crosses the, the goal line. The Vikings win the game. My brother was there with me. We've never hugged harder in our entire <laughs> lives. Like we just, yes. uh, it was a beautiful moment. And so for yes. me, that's one of my favorite Vikings moments. Yes. No, I would say hands down, that is the greatest Vikings moment for me. Dan, I just can't wait till we can say together that our greatest moment was watching them win a Super Bowl someday. It's coming. That, that is what I can't wait for. That's and right. so up until that point, until that happens, I would have to say that Minneapolis Miracle is the best moment I've ever seen. Oh, man, it was amazing. Now, I heard you reference that both you and your bride are committed to getting exercise. Why, yes. why is that such an important part of your rhythm? Yeah, it's so uh, crucial for us. One, it helps us stay sane, mentally mm. sane. Yes. And I say that because, you know, ministry can be stressful. Um, you know, ministry has its stressors to it. And what I love about the gym is it's go time, meaning I throw in headphones. I don't talk to anyone and I just go to town and i love it because when i leave the stress is gone endorphins mm -hmm. are running you feel healthy you feel great you feel um if this might sound kind of crazy but some amazing sermon ideas have literally come from the gym yeah you know your your blood's running your blood's racing sermon illustrations have come from the gym just like just so many uh just natural things and then not to mention it's good for all of us to have our heart racing and our blood pump in and just to overall stay healthy. Cause here's the deal. I want to, I want to do this for the long haul. I want to be able to see my kids grow up and I know none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. Anything could happen any moment in time, but right. as long as I have this thing called the temple, which is my body, I want to do what I can to stay healthy, stay in shape and um, just honor God with it. Really. Dude, so that's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm tracking with you. Uh, exercise is a, is a vital part of my rhythm as well. And for me, it's medicine. Mm -hmm. And I, 
I was, it was several years ago. I was talking with somebody in my family and I was just, I was complaining about not having enough time to, to exercise. And this person loved me enough to look me in the eyes and say, no, you're not making the time. Mm. And I was pretty frustrated with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I did not, I did not like what yeah. they said to me. And, and it, after I calmed down, I, I realized I do have enough time if I take inventory of where I'm spending my time. Mm -hmm. And so that was a turning point for me. And I know I'm far better when I'm getting exercise regularly. Mm -hmm. I, I've, go ahead. I've heard that being crucial. Actually, you just mentioned taking inventory of time. So many um, people that are diligent and disciplined, one of the things they do is they keep track of where their time goes and then they realize the deficiencies or they realize where there's so much wasted time, which for anyone listening out there, if you want to do a fun exercise, try taking a pen and journal with you or just a note in your phone and write down literally what you do in your 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Like each hour, take a second and write down what you did and you'll blow your mind where your time goes. That's just it. I think uh, we're all selectively um, overwhelmed. And I, I mean that as graciously as possible. Like we make decisions, sometimes intentional, sometimes unintentional. And the reality is no one else is choosing what we're doing with our time. Even, mm -hmm. even when we have a job, guess what? We chose to work there. Mm -hmm. and so we are choosing our day and I, I think there's a wisdom in, in choosing the pain of discipline because mm -hmm. then that'll help you avoid the pain of regret. And I mm -hmm. think there's, there's a beautiful intentionality there. And I just think something is better than nothing. And mm -hmm. I think just trying to get into the gym three days a week. And if it's not three days, if that's not possible, try one day in the gym and go walking for the other two. I think mm -hmm. starting somewhere yes. is better than starting nowhere because yep. eventually that somewhere can become something. Like it can become yep. muscle memory. It can become a habit. Yep. It can become something yes. that is now part of your rhythm. And yes. I'm just, I'm a huge believer in getting exercise regularly because yep. my mental that, health, go ahead. You know, I was gonna say, that's a great point that you make too is, uh, Sometimes we can be overwhelmed by the amount, you know, you heard me say, well, I go every day of the week if I can. Well, yeah, that's true. And for someone listening, that could be overwhelming to hear that. Exactly. And so Dan, your point of, Hey, just go one day a week, literally celebrate the small success of going one day a week. And that's then right. you'll surprise yourself and be like, Whoa, I love this. I'm doing one day a week. I can, I can do two, you know? And so you build yourself up to that. And that's, that's a great thought. It's a great perspective. Well, and I, I'm not in every day of the week, but my goal is four to five days a week. I, I just, I want to get in. I want to get mm -hmm. a good sweat, a good pump, a good stretch of time where my heart rate is really thumping. And so four to five days a week, that's, that's my commitment level. And guess what? There are weeks where it's only one or two days. Right. And guess what I do? Um, I used to beat myself up over that. Mm -hmm. Not anymore. I yep. just, take a mulligan on the week and be like, next. <laughs> yep. Right. 
<laughs> you know, let's uh, let's not live in chains to uh, just the rhythms of life that uh, sometimes right. aren't ideal. Like we all have right. those weeks, maybe even a span of weeks where like, oh man, this is just not what I picture. But what could happen in our lives if we kept our eyes fixed on what we want to see? Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Oh, yep. man. So you get to uh, travel quite a bit. Where is one of the funnest places that you've ever been? Uh, wow. Crazy question. So literally, uh, I've been to every state in the US except four. And so uh, I've been to Alaska, which is kind of unique. That mm -hmm. one was that one's just Alaska is one of the most unique places in all of planet Earth. It's just insane. I mean, you, you're you, you know you got daylight for sometimes most 24 hours a day and then other times you go it's dark for most of the time of there it's it's so wow unlike any place on earth that i've ever been um so just in terms of like geography and nature i would say alaska probably is the most like crazy just like wow this is just a different a different place um so i would probably have to say there in terms of just the uniqueness of it Mm -hmm. Now, was your family able to be with you on that trip? Uh, so, no, not the Alaska trip. In fact, speaking of uniqueness, I literally, bro, experienced a 7.0 earthquake while being in Alaska. No way. What was that <laughs> my like? Mo my mother-in-law goes, Micah, did you know Alaska experiences a lot of earthquakes? I'm like, yeah, right. Never heard of that. Yeah, right. Like, never even equated Alaska with earthquakes. And then I'm there, and I wake up in the morning to my whole room shaking from side to side for like no joke like 15 seconds like what? just violently shaking i thought the building was going to collapse on me um long story short the the campground i was at took damage um cars were bouncing in the parking lot okay. like full on getting air like dude i have never never experienced anything like that in my life it was crazy unbelievable yes unbelievable <laughs> This this Minnesota Midwest boy was like, what the junk? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, we've got I, it. Go ahead. I ran upstairs and I'm freaking out. And I look at the locals because they live there. I'm like, yo, is that normal in Alaska? <laughs> and they're like, dude, this is not a normal earthquake. Like this one is one of the worst we've ever had. Someone local said that. I yeah. was like, okay, all right. I'm not, I'm not freaking out here just for whatever, you know? Yeah, because you don't ever be that guy. Where yes, exactly. <laughs> like, it's like super not worrying and right. There's an overreaction there. So well, that's good. You weren't uh, uh, over responding to that. Yes. Um, so I I've read your book and was just super encouraged by it. And as I reflect on your journey and your story, um, would you be willing to just kind of share a season in your life that? may have just proven uh, super difficult or challenging for you yeah no for sure well, thanks for the encouragement dan i appreciate that mm -hmm. uh coming from another author in yourself yeah. so excited for that and th thankful for your encouragement um yeah you know uh i feel like i've lived the life of a 60 year old just in terms mm -hmm. of what i've walked through and when you're forged in the fire and you're put in trials and circumstances at a young age and or even trauma, uh, there's so much that can happen in your life that mm -hmm. shapes you and forms you and molds you. And I literally feel like the life experience I had at a young age 
and what I walked through just accelerated my life in so many ways. Yeah. One of, one of them being, uh, you know, I, uh, got to witness a divorce in my family. My parents were married for 17 years of marriage. I was the oldest in my family. I got three younger sisters. And then after the divorce happened, uh, my sister who was eight was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And so in a matter of a year, I literally watched my dad, who was my hero figure in my life, say he was never going to step foot inside of a church again, said this is who he was, was leaving the faith. And now here I am as a teenager, a young man, confused of all get out, what's going on? And then my sister's diagnosed with stage four cancer. Are you kidding me? Like, she's eight. She's eight years old. And so those were two very life altering moments for me as a young man. And, um, and so those, those are ones that come to mind in terms wow. of just, uh, there's more to the story. There's more that's happened. Um, you know, including some years later on in my life, but I mean, I became the man of the house at an age. I wasn't supposed to be the man of the house. I have three younger sisters who are looking up to their older brother a single mom now who went to work full time. She was a stay at home mom. Now she's working full time. She went to school nearly full time, Mm. you know? And so I, here I am in a lot of ways trying to be a consistent figure in my sister's life, trying to be strong for them. And I inherited, uh, I just took on a lot. Um, I took on a lot of burdens, a lot of pressures, you know, never asked mom or dad for money. Cause I knew that wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll just say this, Dan, like, I honestly do not know where I would be today. If it wasn't for the love of Jesus and grace of Jesus sustaining me through the worst, wow. but then also if it wasn't for the local church. And I say this because I'm convinced the best decision a single mom ever did was she picked up a phone, called her friend and said, where's the best church I can bring my family to? Come on. And bro, my mom had a a reason to not go to church. She could have said, forget this. I saw what happened. I don't want God, whatever. She had all those reasons. But a friend said, hey, go to this church. And so my mom brought us to church, our four kids to church. And uh, that church, God literally used to change my life. Like, wow. In so many ways. So, wow. wow. So uh, were there any points in your life where somebody just showed up at the right time and, and, and was just a breath of fresh air? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and who was that or where? Yes. Great question, Dan. So many come to mind, bro. Um, The first one is my best friend that I met at this new church. Uh, this dude is still my best friend today. He was the best man in a, my wedding. And um, his name was Chris Roush. And, um, you know, scripture and Psalms, it talks about how God places the lonely in families. Hmm. You know, look at, look, at, look at Genesis and look at how he made man. And then when he made him, God's like, huh, something's off here. Something's right. not right. It's not good for man to be alone. Right. And so God is so good at bringing us people uh, the right friends, the right people to encourage us. And I'm convinced half the battle is just showing up to church. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because at church are the places and people that God can use to show up in your life in a divine way. And so for me, it was Chris, God knew I needed a friend mm-hmm. and just so happens to be the church was in Bloomington 
But the height, the junior high I went to was in Egan. That's about a 10 minute drive. Well, find out this kid is the same grade as me, goes to the same middle school as me, had no idea. And we ended up being at the same church. And God brought that Roush family into my life to literally allow me to watch what a healthy family looked like, to have a dad who loved his wife, to have family meals together at a dinner table. I mean, God literally placed me in a family, gave me a best friend, and then not to mention just the youth pastors that were in my life, Ryan Skoog, uh, Chris Book, and then the senior pastor who is still a father figure to me to this day is his name was Jerry Stranquist. God used so many youth pastors, a lead pastor, and so many youth leaders to literally help disciple me. I mean, I learned how to pray by watching my youth pastor pray. Come on. I, I learned what missions was by going on a missions trip as a seventh grader when my youth pastor, Chris Book, said, hey, I feel like you're supposed to go to Mexico. And I'm like, what, what, what the, like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean, Mexico? What's a missions trip? I didn't even know yeah. what that was. And so, so much of who I am today is because of the people that God brought into my life hmm. to be a father to a, the fatherless, to be a mentor, to Come be on. a friend, to be a life giver. And dude, I'm telling you, man, like, <laughs> that's why I say, I don't know where I'd be today if a single mom didn't say, where can I bring my kids to church? And wow. so the church is messy because you and I are in it because <laughs> pe people are in it. Yes. But at the same time, God uses people to bring his comfort, his love, his provision, you name it, everything that God wants to do. He uses people to bring that into our life. And so I am the firsthand like witness to it all on how God used friendships, youth pastors and pastors in my life. Man, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I'm a firm believer that every follower of Christ needs three things in our lives to mature. And that's the, the word of God, the spirit of God and the people of God. And you're sharing that whole experience just underscores the vitality of the people of God. Because you're right, it's messy. And I just wonder what could happen if we all just committed to showing up. Yes. And just that's moved mountains <clears throat> to get there. Yes. Well, I just think like, you know, there's so many excuses as why not to go to church, especially what we just went through with the pandemic. You know, right. I like my home better now. I like I like this place better now. I feel more comfortable here now. And all everyone in the church life is wondering, what does the church look like five years from now? And uh, our ethos as a, as, as, a, as, as a body of Christ was meant to be just that, the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. It was meant to encourage. It was meant to build up. God gave the body spiritual gifts to encourage, to build each other up, to strengthen one another to remind each other, to hug one another, to cry with one another, to laugh together. And so, you know, I, I just, that's so essential in terms mm -hmm. of the vitality of our overall growth, our, our discipleship. And uh, it allows us to not be alone and mm -hmm. isolated or the enemy loves to do work in people's lives. Oh, that's so true. That's well said. And I think one thing that became super clear to me during the pandemic was we need to be in rooms with people. Yes. When you can share the same air and hear the same thing and feel the same thing together, that's the gold standard. It doesn't yep. even have to be a room of a thousand people, even seven people. 
yep. in the same room, that collective experience, uh, the screen that uh, uh, really tried to replace that during the pandemic, like we can just kind of watch church online. I'm thankful for the technology and the medium. And I even think it's very appropriate for those with real health conditions and considerations and concerns to continue to utilize that. And, yep. and let's uh, not lose sight of the power of what happens when you're yep. in the room. Uh, yep. <laughs> it's just, I've been in so many moments where the, the music is playing and the gospel is being clearly explained through melody and theology and my life has changed and yep. uh, I'm leaving the room encouraged. I'm leaving yep. the room stronger and I just showed up and uh, yep. I love that about the church. Yep. Well, just picture, just picture everything that happened with people being in a room together, you know, the last supper communion together, mm. right? Think about the moment where 120 of them are in an upper room and the Holy spirit shows up and fills 120 believers. Think about those who are praying for the release of Peter, who's in jail. And then Peter knocks on the door. They open the door and they'd be like, it's Peter. And they're like, yeah, right. Like the power of being together of one heart and one mind. It's, it's right there, man. That's, it's what, it's what God wants. You know, That's so good. It's so good. I, I just, I read a book last year and it's called alone together. Mm. And it's really about our over dependent reality as we overutilize technology and the glowing rectangle, you know, we all have them, uh, our smartphones. I discovered last year that the average American checks their cell phone 90 times a day. Wow. Right. And then there are some age groups that they check at 150 times a day. Wow. And so we're getting to the point now where instead of us using the tool, the tool is using us. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the makers of the platform are really un unabashedly just hacking our psychology. They're hacking our biology. They're leveraging our insecurities against us. Why? So they can monetize our eyeballs mm -hmm. staring at the glowing rectangle so they can sell our attention to the highest bidder. And mm -hmm. I, I just wonder what could happen if we would put down the phone mm -hmm. and experience a moment with the people closest to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love technology. I think we need to use technology for the glory of God. I think there's mm -hmm. a healthy way to use it all. I'm definitely not puritanical <laughs> in my right. understanding of it. I think it's a tool. I just think the Lord wants us to be free. Yes. And he doesn't want anything to use us. Yes. It's no, not, to be not to be mastered by anything or slave to anything. Let's go. That's so well said. So well said. Uh, you've referenced it already and how... Uh, the church for you growing up was a pretty key part of your success, your strength, your healing, your restoration. Where would you say you find hope in this life? You know, scripture talks so much about uh, remembering. Hmm. Um, you can find accounts in Psalms. You can find accounts in the book of Acts. You can find accounts through the Gospels. You find these accounts in Deuteronomy. You find these accounts all throughout Scripture. And what is it meant to do? To remember. Wow. And so for me, how do I find hope? I remember. I remember where God would show up to a broken, hurting teenager who, whose bedroom would cry himself to sleep 
And then the father, who's the father to the fatherless, would literally catch the tears that I would cry in my bedroom. A presence when my dad died in a motorcycle accident and I was supposed to be at my worst, but instead it was like Jesus was in the room with me, holding me. I literally relate so much to scriptures that talk about God being a father and, a, and being a father to the fatherless. Uh, the encounters I've had with him at camps, the encounters I've had with him in my bedroom, the encounters that mark me forever. I remember those. And so for me, hope is remembering, remembering the things of the past. And then also hope is also found in our ability to write down uh, what we're thankful for. I know uh -huh. that sounds very ordinary, and very practical, but I, I made a list one day. I just sat down for the fun of it and made a list and wrote down everything I was thankful for. Yeah. And it was funny how when I started doing that, I just got emotional. Mm -hmm. I just got filled with just, I was, you know, I had tears coming down because I was like, oh, wow. Like, God, look at what you've done. Cool. God, look at what you've given. God, look at how you've provided over the years. Mm -hmm. God, look at how you've shown up. God, look at your faithfulness, you know? And so um, thankfulness uh, in the present of what I've seen God do in the past and remembering the moments he's shown up in the past, that, that is how I, I, I continue on in hope and uh, remain hopeful. Man, I love that. And uh, I even just love that exercise of writing down what you're grateful for. I heard a compelling question long ago and that was this, what if tomorrow morning you only woke up with what you thank God for today? I know, I know, Crazy. and I'm super convicted by that in a good way. And I just, I wanna be more thankful because one thing that I'm concerned about as I look at our culture, generally speaking, is that we are actively planting the seeds of discontentment mm. all over our lives. Mm. And what we sow, we will reap. So mm -hmm. what, man, what are your thoughts on how we can cultivate a greater contentment in our lives as, as we kind of yeah. walk through this mess we call uh, uh, yeah. life sometimes? Yeah, a couple things come to mind. Great question. Great observation. One is culture is intentionally trying to sow discontentment because it's telling you, you don't have something right. And discontentedness can come from what we don't have or recognizing what we don't have. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the whole point of marketing. You need this, you don't have this and you need this. So how do we stay away from discontentedness and how do we stay thankful? A couple of things. One is slowing down mm. uh, every day, finding a place that you can slow down, slow your mind down, turn off your phone, turn off distractions somewhere where you can go to slow down and then simply just opening your Bible, mm -hmm. opening a journal because journaling forces you to slow down Truth, and just begin to ponder on the word of God. Um, because I have found for myself when I do that and I slow down and God gets all of my attention, it's like, it's like when the psalmist says, there's no other better place than, than your presence, mm. you know, like, you know, you know, 
the courts, the courts of God, the presence of God. There's no other better place than to be right here in your presence. That right there is a writing in the Psalms that describes someone who's super content with just being in God's presence. Wow. And I would say God's presence is the greatest uh, eliminator of discontentedness in someone's life because you realize you literally have everything you need in Christ. Let's go. And so that that's something that just comes to mind to that question. That is absolutely encouraging. I am, I'm just tracking with you because sometimes you go through life and things just get ripped out of your hands. Uh, people that you love deeply are, are taken uh, by the cold claw and the fingers of death. Um, and you get to a place where you discover the nearness of Christ and you discover in that moment he is enough. Mm -hmm. And what's beautiful is that that's not the only place where you can discover that he is enough. Like you, <laughs> when, mm -hmm. when you've got a flush checking account, you can know Christ is enough. When your marriage is healthy, you can know Christ mm -hmm. is enough. Like we don't have to suffer in the valley yes. to live in the knowledge that Christ is enough. Yes. And I, I just wonder how different would our lives be if if we would just rest in the truth. Yes. Uh, and it's like that Philippians uh oh man, 413 reality. Like we all we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, but we forget verses eleven and twelve, mm -hmm. where it's like, Hey, I've learned the secret um, mm -hmm. to being content in, in, mm -hmm. in a lot or in a little. And then he's mm -hmm. like, it's Jesus. <laughs> <Ta -da>. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And uh, I just, I'm thankful for the gospel because the gospel yes. sets the record right. The gospel calibrates the compass of my heart to true north. And it yes. gets me going the right way because without Jesus, I'm a different man doing different things in a different place. But because yeah. of Jesus, oh man, I, <laughs> I like who I am and, and I, I'm thankful. And I, I just, I believe I'm a better friend. Yep. I believe I'm, I'm a more present husband. I believe I'm a more patient father and it's all because of the gospel's work inside of my heart. Yep. Amen. So true, man. Mm. So good. Who are you proud of today? Who am I proud of? I would say my two kids. Yeah. Why? The reason why is because I've been actually thinking a lot about this lately. Um, I've been thinking about, uh, the role of a father mm -hmm. in a child's life. And the reason why I think I've thought a lot about this lately is just because uh, the role of the father, my own dad in my own life ended when I was around 13 years old. And then it permanently ended when he passed away. And I'll just tell you, Dan, just being straight up with you, I long for the words of a dad to say he's proud of me. Absolutely. And because of that, I never want my kids to not know that dad is proud of them. Mm -hmm. And so to answer that question, who am I proud of? I'm proud of my kids. And uh, Dan, if you were to spend just a day with me, yeah. you might think I'm insane <laughs> because I literally tell my kids I am proud of them probably 20 to 30 times a day. And I'm not exaggerating. Love that. it. Like, like not even exaggerating that. Like Everly, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Mm. Malachi, I love you. And I'm so proud of you. 
And then you look at the affirmation that the heavenly father gave his own son, Jesus, when before he did any ministry, he just said, Hey, I love you, son. And I'm so proud of you. Like, dude, that just like that talk about discontentedness going away. Like all of that wipes away when the father has you and says, Hey, I love you. And I'm so proud of you. And so I think, I think it's a tension, Dan, of just because I don't have that physical father. I, I miss being able to call my dad. I miss mm-hmm. being able to hear his voice. I miss being able to have that conversation. I miss, I miss, uh, you know, the few you project, you project future moments that he never gets to have. You know, he'll never hold my kids, never knows their names. You know, I just, but you project those moments forward in life on what he, he would be like if he was here today with my kids, you know? And so, um, yeah, I know I've just took that a bunch of different ways, but I'm, I'm proud of my kids. And, um, and, uh, I, I always want to be that source of affirmation in their life. I love that. And I think just the simple and beautiful act of you declaring a right story over the life of your children. Uh, <laughs> great language, Dan, well, great language. I just, I'm, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a book worm. I'm super hungry to learn more about just how we're wired. And I learned recently that psychologists identify something called a schema, an S-C-H-E-M-A, it's a schema. And basically that is the rules that govern your story. Mm. And so it's what defines your always and what defines your never. And the story that you and I live with is revealed by our always and our nevers. And the simple and powerful act of you declaring over your children, I'm proud of you, sets the guardrails on the road of their life saying that they're always going to be loved. (laughs) Wow. They're always going to be making their daddy proud. Wow. And so just that beautiful strengthening, you are helping your children slay giants, not even now, but 30 years from now, and uh, man, when I have those conversations with my daughter uh, on a regular basis, sometimes I'll be like, Cammie, what's true about you? And she'll say, I'm smart, I'm strong, I'm beautiful, I'm funny, mm. I'm kind. And about once a week, every other week, I'll have this moment with her um, because whew, I know how uh, turned inside out I have been in my own mind about myself. Mm. And I know how powerful it is when the story is right about Mm -hmm. you in your own mind, Mm -hmm. you can overcome anything. Mm -hmm. And that's what the gospel does. It makes the story right. Yes. In the midst of all that went wrong. And uh, so I love what you're, what you're doing and you're modeling and you're, you're just blessing your kids. And wouldn't it be great some, <laughs> someday for your kids to be like, okay, dad, we know, we know. <laughs> yes. And I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to happen, but you know what, Dan, I even think about what God made man for. Mm. And when you look at how God made man and what he made man for is he made man to speak. Ooh. Like, think about that. Like, he literally brought all the animals to Adam and said, name them. Interesting. Like, speak over them. Speak who they are. 
wow. speak their name. And then he brought woman before man, not God naming woman, woman. He brought woman before man to name her. Like mm-hmm. there's power in the words that we speak. And I'm very passionate about that. And Absolutely. so as long as I'm here, Dan, on the earth, I want to use my words to speak life, to speak how God would want me to speak, to speak his truth, his words over my kids, my wife, and anyone who comes in contact with me. I love that. I love that. Well, Micah, I cannot thank you enough for making the time to have this conversation. (laughs) Dan, Um, you had me crying. You had me crying over here, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, um, it's just awesome to be able to connect with a fellow Vikings fan and yes. uh, just kind of celebrate in faith the Super Bowl that they're going to win someday. Let's go. And uh, man, I I just I'm believing with you for a powerful summer of camps. Um, I, I believe that the the altar moments at every single summer camp across this nation are it's going to be some of the most transformative and uh, powerful experiences come on, come our on. students have ever had. And Amen. so uh, I'm excited for you. And I just want to say thanks again, Micah, for making the time to have this conversation. Dan, thank you for being an amazing friend and an encourager and uh, literally having me on. It means the world. Oh, man. I love you, man. Love you, bro. Well, there you have it, folks. We have come to the end of the line on today's episode of Hope Between the Lines. Hope Between the Lines is full of great conversations with great people. If you thought this episode was dope, please make sure you share this with a friend. Why? So more people can share in the awesomeness of this. I've left information for you about how to connect with Micah Mack and his mission to help people live the best life possible in the show notes. So make sure you click on the link there provided. He's also an accomplished author. I want you to find his first release on the Amazonian website where the Jeff Bezos, who's currently in transition and is going to retire to two thirds time, I believe, but still be 100% fat cash wealthy, which is awesome. Good for him. With that said, Check out Micah Mack's latest book. It is worth the read. I've read it. I was inspired by it because it reignited the belief inside of me for what's possible in life. So check that out. I also want to make sure that you are leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Why? So more people can find this, yo, and we can share the love. Make sure you're subscribing so you can get the latest and the greatest episodes of Hope Between the Lines. Now, remember, lastly, and most never, ever, leastly. May the Lord bless you, may he keep you, and may his face shine forever brightly upon you.